What's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to or watching, as the case may be, Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. My countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. And we're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. Today, we're going to talk about celebrating small steps. Edification, encouragement, not shooting our wounded, as it were. So, let's get right in. Hello, Mammoth Spring Church of Christ. It's Barry O'Dell. Good to see you with us. Um, turn your attention to the bottom left, join the Christianity now Facebook group, uh, slowly, but surely talking about celebrating small steps. It is very, very small steps building this Facebook group. I would rather it grow slowly and get people that are actually interested in it than to have it grow at a, at an exponential rate and just have a bunch of people that, that liked it because we did something really cool in the moment and then they're not interested in it anymore. So I would urge you go to Christianity Now Facebook group. I'm not sure how to link that in the comment sections or anything. I wish, you know what? Tomorrow for Aaron Dotson, uh, for, for the, the live show with me and Aaron Dotson, I will make sure to have a QR code that you can scan on the screen. And I'm going to try my best to have a link that I can share in the comment section where you can copy and paste and you can go to the Christianity now Facebook group. We're not doing a whole lot with it at the moment because we're trying to let it build and let it get terminal mass. I did share the YouTube live stream in it today and I tagged everyone. So that's what I would love to have. I would love to have 15, 20,000 people in this group and once a week pick a, a, a show or something to promote and tag everyone. I don't think I need to tag. You can tag everyone in every group that you're a part of or that you control once a day. I think if you do that, you'll start getting uh, your, your, your followers will start having notification fatigue. But that being said, once a week is probably enough to where it still has a lot of good return on investment and you won't, you won't fatigue your people with notifications. All right, good to see everybody this morning. Diana Hard and Terry Crooks, we're so glad you're here. Um, in fact, I don't have, you know, we have an ad read um, where we, uh, well, yes, Lindsay Faye Dotson, Lindsay Faye Dotson at gmail.com. Let me go to our captions here, and I'm going to put her contact information in the bottom left. Contact Lindsay, Lindsay Faye Dotson at gmail.com. Are you part of a church congregation seeking effective ways to spread the word about your event? Well, look no further. Lindsay Dodson specializes in designing modern advertisements for churches. Whether it's flyers, postcards, or social media graphics, Lindsay has got you covered. Reach, reach out through a private message on Facebook or send an email to lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com for more details. Don't miss this opportunity to make your message resonate far and wide. Contact Lindsay Dodson today. And we're so thankful to have her as a sponsor. Now, let's get into the podcast, celebrating small steps, and I will put the tip jar up on the screen. Um, that won't be there for the whole show, but www.nearchurches.gmail.com is our PayPal. 
If you want to do a tip jar where you send us a PayPal for a dollar, five dollars, five million dollars, whatever you want to do, we'll, we'll, we'll be happy to accept it. And that supports the podcast. But we'll leave up. We'll leave that up there for a little bit. And don't remember, don't remember, don't forget to subscribe to Substack. That's where all these articles are linked and the articles are linked in the show notes. Ways to support us is linked in the show notes. Let's get going. I'm going to read the introduction paragraph, and then I'm not going to read the article verbatim. We're just going to hit the high points. As we observe infants taking their very first step, only to moments later fall down, there is an instinctive reaction to celebrate their effort rather than to lament their tumble. This response is full of grace and encouragement fostering an environment where the child feels supported to try again. Adults, on the other hand, find themselves scrutinizing their own stumbles and others more harshly than they celebrate their small victories. It is here that Scripture offers wisdom, reminding us of the value of perseverance and the beauty in acknowledging every step of progress. Folks, let me explain something. Any behavior that you want to see repeated, acknowledge that behavior, whether it's good or bad. The, the best thing that you can do is not acknowledge negative behavior when people are forming the essence of who they are and you accentuate the positive and the positive will be what is repeated. Think about every time you're, if you have a dog, if every time your dog does something bad, you give that dog attention, whether it's negative or positive, you're going to reinforce the bad behavior. This is called selective ignoring. That doesn't mean that if somebody is actively trying to harm you, that you ignore them, or if somebody is going to harm themselves, or if a child is going to harm themselves, you ignore it and let that child or that let that child harm themselves, or let that adult harm you, or even let that child harm you. But what that means is, generally speaking, whenever you see a pattern of behavior, if you want to bring to the surface and have repeated the positive things, then that's what you point out. That's what you focus on. I'll give you a, the, the, probably the best illustration of this was dumped in my lap over 10 years ago whenever a friend of mine and his wife had studied with a man and converted him to Christ. And he was, he, he was, he obeyed the gospel right around the holiday season. So he was trying to order his brand new baby Christian life with vestigial remnants of his old worldly life. For instance, there was a uh, Christmas party coming up and the guy was like, well, what am I going to do? Because we usually drink and kind of have corrals and kind of have a good time. And Obviously, you can't drink, you can't carouse, you can't have a good time. You cannot act the way the non-believers act and still expect to be in a right relationship with God, okay? So what did this young man do? Well, after the, you know, the, day, the, the day of the party come and went, and the fella talked to my friend, he said, you'd be proud of me. He said, I, I found a way to, he didn't say this, he said, I found a way to navigate this this sticky situation. So my friend was like, well, what happened? Well, you know how everybody at the parties, they drink out of these red solo cups, these red cups. Disposed. I don't know if they have these all around the world. 
in the United States, uh, they have these red solo cups that you can purchase. They're called solo because I think for one use and the brand is solo and they're typically red, although you can get them different colors, but the, the quintessential cup from the solo company is red. And this is kind of turned into a meme. There's even a country song, red solo cup. I fill you up. Let's have a party. You know, that's the red solo cup has been associated with drinking parties. So he said, you know, how everybody drinks out of a red solo cup. Yes. Well, I just took my red solo cup. I filled it up with ice and Coca-Cola and everybody thought that I was drinking and nobody knew that I wasn't. <laughs> and I'm like, of course, look, if you're a Christian, I'm going to, I don't know if Barry's still here, but if Barry Odell's still in the audience, if Barry Odell did that, I would have some words for him. Okay. Barry Odell is a gospel preacher, a, a mature Christian. Uh, he's been a mature Christian for as long as I've known him. And so if Barry Odell, Barry's still here. So, okay, good. So I'm not talking bad about him behind his back. I'm talking bad about him right in front of him. Okay. Um, if Barry came to me and said, Hey, you know, I went to a Christmas party for, you know, such and such, whatever. And I go, Oh yeah. What, what was it? A humdinger? He said, man, it was a big old drinking party. And nobody could tell that I wasn't drinking because I just kept my, my Coca-Cola, uh, my, my red solo cup filled with Coca-Cola and everybody thought I was drinking a rum and Coke. Well, Barry, I would have a problem with that. However, this fella that I'm talking about in the illustration is not where we are. He's not matured to the level we are. Now, does he need to be going to drinking parties even if he doesn't drink? The answer is unequivocally no. He, he needs to come out of that. But his level of maturity was, he, he did everything he could with the tools he had at his disposal. And I think we should celebrate this guy's epic win. Okay. I think he had an epic win. I'm like, man, that's great. I, I can see where, um, it would be very hard in your position, you know, feeling obligated that you've got to go to that party. And then how do you not stick out like a sore thumb and make everybody uncomfortable, including yourself? Yeah, I can see where you would come to that conclusion. You did a fine job. I am so thankful and I'm so proud of you for not drinking. Now, again, if it were Barry Odell, we'd have a different conversation. But this guy was like a toddler just learning how to walk in his Christian faith. And he took a few steps and he stumbled along the way but he took steps. You got it. you see how I'm not, I hope, I hope you can see how I'm not giving him a pass for doing something he shouldn't have done. I am showcasing and highlighting his massive success. And it will not be long in that man's life. I guarantee it. Where he, going to a party. That's a drinking party like that would be unconscionable. Like it wouldn't even be something that would cross his mind. Okay. Now, what if, what if whenever he proudly as like a little child coming to his daddy saying, look, I did this and this, that, and the other. what if, what if my friend would have said, well, I can't believe you'd be that wicked. Jesus, you don't love Jesus then because you're not wanting to keep his commandments. And you went in and you didn't show any distinction between you and Christians. You've brought shame to the church but I didn't drink like that was the only thing he could have focused on. That's the only, that's the only thing that his level of maturity would have allowed him to focus on. 
So I think we need to treat him like an infant that's taking their very first steps because we want to, we want to, we want to perpetuate that good judgment. And it was good judgment. It was the best judgment that he could have used in the moment. Granted, I know that you can make the case, well, he should have gone to somebody older and wiser and just did what they told him to do. You're right. He shouldn't have gone to the party, but that's, 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 that's where he came down and he was trying. Okay. So what about failure? Should we be, uh, should we be marked and known by our failures or our successes? Listen to this from Proverbs 24, 16 for a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. This proverbial nugget teaches us that falling is not to be the defining moment of a person's journey. Failing, I'll go ahead and say, should not be the defining moment of a person's journey. I'll even go so far as to say that if you have fallen, but you have not purposed in your heart to give up, then you have not failed. So often we, we call failure way too early. Think about this. If, if you have, if you, if you and your buddies, and I'm, I'm speaking from a man's perspective and men are rather competitive, especially 15, 16, 17 year old young men walking through the woods and you see a ditch. Well, I think I can jump across that. Nah, you can't jump across that. Oh, I think I can. So now we're going to have a, have a, have a competition. We're going to try to jump this ditch. Well, what do you do when you get ready to jump the ditch? You walk up to the edge, you gauge the distance, and then you take some steps backwards so you can get a good running start. Now, if all you took out of that whole scenario was walking up to the ditch and then walking away from the ditch, you might say, well, that person has failed because he's, he's going backwards. He's going the wrong direction. You're backsliding. You're, when I say backsliding, I don't mean backsliding like the denominations. Like you're going backwards. You're losing a little bit of ground. Might be in your life just you proverbially going backwards so you can get a good running start. All right. So don't call failure unless somebody has hollered calf rope. In other words, they hollered that they're done. This is, this is something that we need to look at in the church. Just because somebody slips, trips, and falls doesn't mean that they've left the fellowship. It doesn't mean that they've gone out of the light. It doesn't mean that they've stepped out of the flow of the life-giving blood. The lesson here from the book of Proverbs is not to avoid failing or falling, but to be diligent in rising every time we fall. Do you know, do you know what Jeff Bezos, what he's done more than anybody on the, uh, in existence on the face of the earth who has tried to start an online an online shopping program he's failed he's failed more than anybody else on the face of the planet in that endeavor because he had to fail that many times to figure out how to get it right go look at thomas edison with a light bulb 
how many times he failed before he got one that actually worked. How many prototypes were there of the Apollo rocket that, that got the men to the moon? How many times do successful people have to go back to the drawing board and reconfigure and recalculate? The idea is we need to continue to get up and press forward, which segues perfectly into the next point. Paul's exhortation in Philippians chapter three about forgetting what lies behind. Philippians chapter three, verse 13, Paul writes, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before. He pressed towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Oh, if we constantly focus, perseverate on all of those times we slip, trip, and fell, which is what we'll do if we've got people around us that keep pointing to them, then we'll never succeed because we're always going to be focused on that which is behind. I love The Lion King, the animated version from Disney. Timon and Pumbaa uh, talking about Hakuna Matata. And Pumbaa says, yeah, it means you got to keep your behind in the past. And I'm like, that's pretty profound. Basically, you're going forward. You're pressing toward the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You're pressing towards the prize. You don't focus on what's behind. Behind you is full of failure and shortcomings and, and slips and trips and falls. But you just keep getting up and going. Paul, that was the only thing he counted himself to have actually been able to accomplish whilst on earth is he figured out how to, how to keep this behind in the past and how to press towards the mark. That's what we have to do. And if, if we are around a group of people that every time we slip, trip, fall, stumble, or anything like that, then we'll never forget those things that are behind. We'll always focus on them. So Philippians 3.13 is a good verse for this because this is a marathon. This is not a sprint which segues us right into the next verse that I want to use. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. This imagery here is powerful, and it invokes scenes of a race where each step is critical. There's, a, there's an old wives' tale, or whatever you want to call it, a, a myth, so to speak, in the horse world. And supposedly, if you got a horse that won't load into a trailer, you walk him up, and you put his nose in the trailer, and you dally him off up in the trailer with a long rope so he can't go backwards, and you get a bunch of pebbles and you just toss, you don't throw hard. You're not trying to hurt him, but you take a big old bunch of pebbles and you just toss those pebbles at his rump. And eventually he'll get tired of getting pelted even ever so lightly with those pebbles. And he'll walk forward to get away from it. And walking forward to get away from it is getting into the trailer. So I always use this illustration. If, if once you understand that illustration and then I throw 9,000 
999 pebbles and I give up and you come along and throw one pebble and the horse goes into the trailer, who was responsible for getting the horse in the trailer? Well, was it you who just threw one pebble? Was it me who threw 9,999? Or was it us together who threw 10,000 together? You see where I'm going with that. Whenever you run a race, every single little bitty step is important. Because without every little single bitty step, you wouldn't reach the end goal. Without any one of the 9,999 pebbles that I threw, your one would have been useless. But every single pebble was just as important as the one that finally accomplished the goal. That's the way we have to understand our Christian walk. That's the way we have to understand our walk of faith. Every single little bitty step towards that prize, the high, the, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, it's just as important as the one that actually allows us to attain that goal. So now I'm going to read the entirety of the conclusion. Good morning, Debbie Mangus. Good to see you. The message woven through these scriptures that I've read today is clear. There's a virtue in celebrating each step forward, no matter how small. Just as we would offer applause to a child learning to walk, we should also learn to recognize and affirm our own progress. Life, in many ways, is a series of steps, some confident and others more tentative. When we focus solely on the moments we fall, we risk becoming disheartened, overlooking the progress we've made. Scripture guides us to a more hopeful perspective, one that cherishes growth and encourages resilience. You have heard of the patience of Job. What if you only focused on the times in his life when he was down? He wouldn't be a very good character study, would he? In conclusion, the scriptural counsel is to embrace the journey of life with all its ebbs and flows. Let us celebrate our small steps as they are building blocks of the greater walk of faith. By doing so, we align ourselves with the divine wisdom that values perseverance and holds space for grace in the face of our human imperfections. Folks, don't let the journey get you down. You are trudging along. That is good. That means you're making progress. You're going through the doldrums. That's fine. Even though it's slow and terrible and difficult, you're making progress and you should be able to see a light at the end of the tunnel. You should be able to see, hey, this isn't going to last forever. Even if it is so bad, it's going to last the entirety of your life. Comfort one another with these words. There's going to be a sound of a trumpet, a shout. There's going to be Jesus in the air. The dead in Christ are going to rise first, then we who remain are going to go up with them and forever there in in that manner will we be with him in the air. Scott Beck says, we've all been in that valley. Amen. There is no temptation overtaking you, but such as is common to man. If you're in that valley right now and you look to your left and you look to the right and you don't see anybody, it doesn't matter. You're still not alone. The visibility just isn't good. 
And folks are really, really good in hiding the fact that they're in the valley. Don't look to your left and look to your right on social media because all you're getting is the absolute best snippets out of everybody's life. Oh, it looks like those folks have it so good on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or whatever. You don't see the behind the scenes. You don't see the fights. You don't see the disrespect. You don't see the failures. You don't see the having to make up. You don't see all of the things that go into making that Thanksgiving family portrait or that Christmas family portrait or that whatever. That's, that's why, that's, that's why I kind of loathe. Um, sometimes I loathe putting church stuff on, on the internet is because like, you can't do it. And like, let, let's put the times whenever somebody gets angry and has to be calmed down. Let's put the times like, you know, nobody wants to show the bad things, but the problem is when all we show is the good things, it cheapens them because we give out a perspective of everything being good. Anyway, that's just me pontificating. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying anybody that puts church stuff out on social media, I don't think you're doing something wrong. I just think that it might, it, there, there's going to be effects and ramifications that we can't even think of. And I think we're, we're starting to experience those things. Anyway. That's all I've got. For those of you, I left. I, I did leave that stupid tip jar up the whole time. Um, let me go in here to the captions. Uh, join Christianity Now Facebook group. Remember, talking about slow, small, incremental steps, the Christianity Now Facebook group is very, very slowly growing, but it's surely growing. Um, Dana Hardens is such encouraging advice we all need in dealing with others and ourselves. It's true that we tend to dote and praise our little ones, but often fail to do the same for older kids and adults. Thanks, Tony. Well, I appreciate that. And yes, I'm telling you, um, I almost wish I had LaBeth on here to talk because she could talk to us about the selective ignoring and how to um, accentuate the positive and downplay the negative when it comes to uh, rearing children. She's she's very good at that. That's one of her specialties is um, parent-child interactive training. And uh looks like she's going to be implementing some of that up here in Canada. They're very interested in it and all that good stuff. But anyhow, uh, that's all I've got. God bless every one of you. This has been Tony Brewer with Christianity Now Cogitations. And uh, be sure and look in the show notes on how to support us. Be sure and follow Substack. Be sure and subscribe to the YouTube channel, Christianity Now Streams. God bless you. And we will catch you. Oh. Subscribe to the podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, TuneIn Radio. God bless you and Podbean. Thank you so much, and we'll catch you. On thank you so much for that, Debbie Mangus. Your wife does have encouraging messages. That's great. Uh, we will catch you, folks, on the flip side. <laughs>